Scripture reading today will be out of the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you will know the way to where I am going. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for opportunity to worship you. Lord, we thank you for our ability to sing praises to you, Lord. We uh, thank you for our opportunity to come to you in prayer uh, and ask for your blessing. Lord, we thank you that you hear us. Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every one of us here this morning. I pray that you would be with each and every one of us who are listening to this online later in the week even, Lord. I pray that you would bless each and every one of our hearts today. Lord, help us to focus our minds on you. And Lord, help us to grow today uh, in understanding more, a little bit more of your gospel, a little bit more of who you are and who we are to you. Lord, we ask and pray these things in your son's beautiful name. Amen. So it's funny that I had you, well, I had myself really read John 14. Hopefully you read along with me. Um, but that's not actually where I'm going to be preaching from. It's, it's an introduction to where I'm going to be preaching from. And I like twists and stories and movies, and that's what I've just done to you. I've twisted it. We're all very excited now to see where we go. <laughs> I know you are. But in that passage, Jesus tells us what? That he's going to prepare a place for us. And glorious day when we get to actually experience that place that God has prepared for us. But my question that I, I offer today is, so what are we supposed to be doing in the meantime? And this is something that gets preached on often in this church. What, well, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? That's, that's kind of what we talk about every single day here at church. But I, I really want to get into what we're supposed to do and the importance of it. So if you're going to try and follow along with me, I promise not to switch this up on you again. We'll be in Matthew 25. And as you're turning there, don't worry, I'm just going to keep talking. We're not going to start reading it quite yet. <laughs> but the idea is, as God is, as Jesus is off preparing a place for us, we are to be preparing this place for him. You see how this works? Is God is off, Jesus is off. Jesus went up into the, into the clouds at the end of the book of Matthew. We have the Great Commission. We have Jesus saying, I'm going off to prepare a place for you. And in the meantime, this is what I want you to do. Go and what? Create disciples. I'm sorry, I, I spoke a little too fast. It's a Great Commission. Go and create disciples. Preach the gospel to the nation. Create disciples. So that's what we're supposed to do. I don't see anybody else up here preaching, though. That's, that's a joke, because it's not everybody's gift to preach. You see, so, so as we get that great commission from Jesus Christ, we say, oh, okay, but all right. I'm not really good at the talking, but okay, I can, do, I can, I can try, I can try. But here's the idea, guys. Here's, here's really the gist of it. As we're supposed to tell people about who Jesus Christ is with every aspect of our lives. It's not just coming up here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whenever churches have their midweek anythings and to preach. It's about living out the truth of the gospel. So I want to read to you 
if you're in Matthew chapter 25, I want to start in verse 31. And I'm just going down to verse 40 here. It says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Notice that, prepared for you. From the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, we, when, we, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. There it is. That is how we preach the gospel without actually preaching. It's the saying of preach the gospel wherever you go and when necessary, use scripture. Because otherwise it's just living it out. It's just living out the goodness of the gospel. That is how you can preach without actually preaching. So now we have to ask ourselves, okay, that's, that's really all well and good. We've got a nice little list. But we're, we're talking about preparing this place. So we need to prepare ourselves to prepare this place where we are right now. And I have a, an object lesson for us. I don't know if anybody's noticed. This back here. This is my guitar. Ask me how many songs I know. Go ahead. <laughs> Zero. I know none. Ask me how long ago I got this. Go ahead. A really long time ago. Okay. <laughs> We're thinking like 2004, 2005. I know three chords. Okay. <laughs> and, and honestly, if you asked me to do it like right now, I probably would get them wrong because it's been that long. If, if you can notice, it's very dusty. It is very dusty. Uh, the strings probably all need replaced. I'm not sure if the whammy bar works anymore. I did plug it in once since I took it out of storage. It does still work. So if anyone plays the guitar, anyone? Oh, and that's why we don't have a worship leader, folks. <laughs> so I wanted to show this to you because this is an... Uh, a great example of great intentions and missed opportunity. Right here. I'm going to put it down now because holding it's kind of awkward. Nice. Fender Showmaster is what that's called. But look, it's, it's very nice, isn't it? It looks really cool. It's got that cool little, like, I think they call it starburst. Uh, accents on it. There's a nice burgundy and black. It's a really cool looking guitar. There's 22 frets on it. And if you know what that means, great. 
I'll tell you, most guitars don't go all the way up to 22. I think they stop at like 19 or something like that. So it's like, it's a big guitar. It can do a lot of cool stuff. It sounds really good when it's tuned uh, and plugged in because it is an electric guitar. There's a lot of really cool possibilities there, a lot of great potential. It is a, like, to look at that, my kids love coming into my office and just like strumming like crazy on it. Because it's, it's fun, it's this great idea. And oftentimes, that's how we can see our Christian life, isn't it? Like, oh man, that just sounds so good. The grace of God, free from shame, free from guilt, free from sin, fantastic. This sounds, oh, so good. Well, if you don't put it into practice, then it gets kind of dusty. It gets kind of out of repair. It gets kind of really useless. This still sits in my office, by the way. It's, it's to remind me that uh, to make better decisions with my money. <laughs> really, that's all it is for me right now. Um, but that's, that's the idea, guys. This is oftentimes our Christian life. So we need to put our Christian life in to practice. Well, how do you do that, Pastor Steve? You practice. How do you get good at a guitar? You practice. How do you get good at anything? How do you get good at a sport? You practice. I'm, hopefully, I'm getting better at this preaching thing as I get to practice a little bit more often. You can be the judge of that. But the more you do something, the better you hopefully get at it. So the more you live out a Christian life, the better we get. Now, I, I know oftentimes it is not necessarily about uh, a, a problem of desire. Because, again, it sounds so good. It sounds so much fun. And really, when you, when you get to experience spreading the gospel just through living, as Jesus mentions through here, when you get the opportunity to do any kind of missions, if you get the opportunity to do something like the youth got to this last week when we went to the youth rally and we spent some time in the midst of other Christians and we got to worship Christ out in public with anybody walking by hearing the word through our song, through the speaker there, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of good times. So maybe it's not necessarily an issue of desire, but maybe it is a problem of know-how. Maybe it is a problem of opportunity, and, and maybe it's even a problem of confidence. If I were to tell any one of you, just pick at random, come on up here and preach, how many of you would say, you bet, here I come. Or if, or if I were to suddenly say, we're looking for somebody to preach next week, how many of you would, like, I'm putting my hand down, I'm putting my eyes down, I'm maybe walking out of the back just to make sure. I'm sure they're not going to pick me anyway, but I'm going to make sure. Who's there? Ah, you're going to be next week. <laughs> that was almost a trick. Almost got you, Angela. Guys, I, I, I want to encourage you in this part. I want to encourage you. For those of you who might think I don't have the ability to do these kinds of things. Understand what God has given you in your life. We have each been given different gifts. And we can each use those gifts to serve God in a multitude of ways. Some of you are really just good at like calling people on the phone. That's one thing I'm awful at. Go figure. Like I can stand up here and talk to you all day. 
I hate calling people on the phone. I hate it. Some of you are so good at it. Guys, that's, that is literally living out a Christian life, to be able to call somebody in their time of need and talk to them. Some of you are really good at baking, and amen for you. But that is living out the gospel, to take food to someone who needs it. Our church is fantastic at doing a lot of these things. And I'm so blessed to be a part of a church family that does these kinds of things. And I hope you understand that. I hope you find yourself so blessed being a part of a church family that does these kinds of things. But I also want to encourage you that, yes, God has given you the tools to be able to live out his gospel, but he's also with you at the same time. I want to direct you to Scripture. Matthew 1.23 tells us his literal, Jesus' literal name, Emmanuel, means God with us. Don't worry about turning there. I'm going to go quick through a lot of these. I appreciate you wanting to. Go for it if you want to. I'm just going to keep going, though. If you go to the book of Joshua, the first nine verses, God tells Joshua three times, be strong, be courageous, because I am with you. Three times in nine verses. If you go to the Psalms, you will be hard-pressed to find a full Psalms that does not talk about God's faithfulness to his people. There's 150 plus of those guys. Isaiah even talks about God's devotion to his people. You go to chapters 40 and 41, it's all in there. Paul's writings to the Romans, Corinthians, to Timothy, to Titus. You get writings from James, from Peter. We are continually reminded of God's presence in our lives. God's faithfulness to his people. God's willingness to be with us as we work for him. It's there. If you need confidence, if you need support, start with the Bible. So there's practice, but oftentimes, if, if I try to pick this guitar up again and, and say, you know what, I'm really going to focus on learning this guitar, but I don't have somebody to teach me, I'm not going to get very far. I've already tried that, right? It's, it's been 15 years, so I've, I've gotten nowhere on that without a mentor, without somebody to show us what we need. And maybe that's what you need. And honestly, maybe it's already there in your life and you just need to accept it. For, for us who still have parents with us, have they shown you how to do this? For those of us who are, have great close friends, have they shown you how to do this? You might already have a mentor. Maybe it's just time to go and tell them, hey, listen, I really appreciate what you've done in my life, showing me how to live out the gospel. And I'd really like to learn more about it. I'd really like you to rub off a little bit more on me. I'd really love your heart to be transferred into mine so I can do a little bit of what you're doing so that I can do for others what you have done for me. Because that's, by the way, the beginning of our gospel story. As Jesus showed us how to live 
we live for others. All right, so we have that, we have that down, right? We have how to prepare. We have the practice. We have, you know, get a mentor. We have start with scripture. I think what we, what we need to understand now is how to be honest with ourselves. Because there's, there's one thing that we, we think we're preparing for versus what we truly are preparing for. I have, I have a story. Uh, for those of you who know my family and you know my son, um, he's not the most outgoing person. And if you know me and you know my wife, you'd say, I don't know how that happened. But my son, not so outgoing. If you've actually heard him speak like a full sentence, you are blessed, because he doesn't do it in public all that much. Um, we have a dog, little eight-pound yippy dog, missing most of her teeth. She is like the least threatening animal on God's earth. My son hates her. <laughs> this poor dog that we found in our backyard three years ago and rescued, he has never pet to this day, three years, hasn't touched the dog. This last, I believe it was February, um, we had the maces from our church, they were giving away cats, right? So our son hated the dog, hates the idea of dogs, afraid of dogs, but he said he really liked cats. And he's been around cats and he didn't shy away from them like he does dogs. And so Alex and I looked at each other and we said, you know what? I bet you he might, he might pet a cat. He might pet a cat. So why don't we take him over to the maces? They're nice people. Well, I'm sure they'll let him like pet a cat. And then maybe he'll pet it and be like, oh, I love cats. And we'll take a cat home. And then he can have an, a pet that he loves instead of one that he hates, right? <laughs> so this was the idea. Uh, and I'd, I'd, we'll be the first one to tell you, I told her from the get-go, it's not going to work. That's ridiculous. We're going to get there and he's going to go, nope, because we're at somebody else's house. So immediately it's not going to work. So we got to their house. They had one, one little kitten left, tiny little thing, not even a year old, super nice. Alex held it. I held it. It melt like did a little kitty puddle in your arms or just kind of like melts and doesn't move and you can like rub its paws and it doesn't bite you. And I was, was like, okay, well, if we get a cat, it's probably going to be this one. And so Alex sits down on their steps with the cat and it cuddles up on her lap and Mason went and sat next to her and was like, that's nice. And we're like, buddy, you want to pet it? No. <laughs> but I said, this is as close as he's ever gotten. Fantastic. And I said, let's, you know what? We'll take the cat. That's fine. We'll take this cat. So we have a cat now. But in that moment, you know what? We weren't prepared for a cat. We weren't, we weren't ready in, in that very moment. So we have, we have this brand new cat that's never been in a car or moved or anything like that. And they, they said to us, did you bring a box to put it in? We said, no, nah, we'll just hold it. <laughs> and not carrier. We didn't have food at home. We didn't have a litter box at home. We'd, we were not prepared. We saw this as, this is great. What a great opportunity. How fun is this going to be? And as we were cleaning up the vomit and the cat mess and everything else from the car on the trip home that day, 
It didn't seem like that good of an idea anymore. <laughs> but do you get it? We were not prepared. We thought we were prepared for something, but in reality, we were not prepared for what we needed to be prepared for. It didn't work out. It, well, it's, it's kind of working out. We still have the cat. Mason still hasn't pet it either, by the way. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> but what does our time say we are preparing for? Because oftentimes we think, we think we know what we're preparing for, but in reality, we're preparing for something completely different. There's, there's a saying that says, if you watch where you send your money, then you know where your heart is. Think about that. If you watch where you send your money, if you go back and look at your bank statement, what did we spend all of our money on, all of our extra cash, where did all of that go? That's where your heart is. In the same way, if you see what you do with your time, then you know what you're preparing for. So you have to ask yourself, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you doing? And almost even more important than that is what does it produce in you? Because what does it drive you to do? What does it make you think about your neighbor? And does that fall in line with what God would want? Does it fall in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now here's the point. You can still call a fool a fool. You can still call a fool a fool. But do you love him? You can still take somebody who is toxic to your life and say, I'm not going to allow you to dictate what I do in my life, but do you love them? Because I'm telling you, the list that Jesus gave us here in Matthew 25 tells us a lot of ways to love our neighbor, but it doesn't say, except for. In fact, at the very end it says, the least of these. So what does your time say? I'd say I've, I've had to turn a few things off for myself. I've had to. Because after hearing different news channels, hearing different opinions, all I can think about is, man, I just can't stand those people. And if it builds up only hatred in my heart for somebody, then it's not good. I've had to take things and put them in correct context in my life. I think most of you know I'm a bit of a sports fan. I like my Nebraska Cornhuskers. I like my Detroit Lions. I like my Atlanta Braves. And for a lot of those reasons, I hate the state of Texas. Because of the Cowboys, the Texans, the Astros, the Rockets. The, you name a team in Texas, I don't like them. Okay? But I have to put that in context. Because if I meet somebody from Texas on an airplane, I can't just say, oh, you're one of them, huh? <laughs> we laugh about it, and, and I understand, but it's, it is so serious. What is it that what we put into our lives, what we put into our mind and into our hearts, 
how does it help us live out the gospel? And if it makes you live out something that isn't the gospel, you need to change something about it. If you need to cut it out of your life, cut it out of your life. But at the very least, we need to put it in the right context. Lastly, I want to tell you, we've been talking about what what this is, and I think we generally, especially at this church, we have an understanding of why it's important. We've been called by our Lord and Savior to go preach this gospel to the nations. We've been called by the one who loves us best, the one that, even in our darkest moments, still stands by us. We've been called to do this, and we generally have no qualms about loving our neighbor, showing them. We have so many ministries within this church where we serve each other so well. But oftentimes, we, get to, we might hit a point in our lives where we allow our Christian life to go by the wayside. We allow our Christian life to kind of become secondary or we put it on the back burner. I want you to know that there is a danger. There is a problem with not preparing. There's, there's a, a saying that says, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. I take you back to Matthew chapter 25 to finish this this section of what Jesus is talking about. First, he talked about as the, he will be as the shepherd, the one who separates the sheep from the goats. And we talked about the sheep and how great they did. And now he addresses the goats. Verse 41 says, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Guys, there is a great danger for not being prepared. And we understand this. We, we understand what salvation means. We understand where our salvation comes from. We say we are saved by faith. And in the book of James, it will tell you, if you have no works behind your faith, your faith is dead. You see, our faith in us should drive us to live out the gospel. That is true faith. Now, maybe most of us don't necessarily need to hear this second part, and we already understand it. But I want you to know, there is a personal danger to saying, I've said the words, I'm saved. Because it's not about the words you say, but it is about the decision of your heart. It is not about the words you say. We do not have magic words that get us into heaven, folks. And you cannot fool God. Do not be deceived. 
And we see in Matthew 25 here at the very end that there is a a very dangerous personal consequence to not being prepared for when Christ comes back and says, I'm ready, are you? There's a big personal danger. But I also want to tell you that there is also a global consequence. See, by not preparing, by not living out the gospel that we profess every Sunday, by not living out the gospel that we associate ourselves with when we tell people that, yeah, I'm a Christian, then we present God to the world as uncaring, judgmental, without grace, unloving. We present God as something no one would want to follow or even be in a relationship with. If we do not live out the gospel that we are called to live out, people will look at us and say, well, what's the difference? Well, who cares? If they don't care about me, why should I care about this? And I've heard it. That's the heartbreaking part. I've heard it. I've heard it from people who have left churches and said, I had to leave them because of the hypocrisy. And I'm not a part of that anymore. And I've heard it because I've talked to people who have said, I thought about church at one point in my life, and then I remembered all the Christians I knew. It's heartbreaking. I think the worst part about this is if we do not live out the gospel as we are called to live out, then we make Jesus into a liar. And that should be heartbreaking enough. Because when we look at the list of things that Jesus just listed off here, and this is not the complete full list on how you live out the gospel, of course. This is not a checklist for us either. I don't want you to go into this and say, well, this week I totally fed somebody, so I'm good there. And this week I'd, you know what, I don't really want to visit the, the prison all that often, so maybe I'll do like two other things and that'll cover it. No, that's, that's not this idea. The idea is, where is your heart? Because we profess a gospel that is full of goodness. Goodness for me, goodness for you, goodness for our neighbors, for our communities, for our state, for our country, for our world. And at the very least, we should want that goodness for those people. And that is what living the gospel out is about. letting those people know about the goodness of the gospel. Guys, think of it. Think of it. Think of what the gospel is to you. What is your salvation to you? What are you free from? What do you not have to worry about? What do you get to hope for? Are these not good things? It is full goodness of God. 
And when we live out the gospel, we allow others to experience the goodness of God. And that is our mission. That is the full mission right there. Preach the gospel and make disciples. Tell them about the goodness of God. And when necessary, preach. I I hope you're encouraged by that. I hope you are both encouraged and empowered by that. If you're thinking to yourself, well, that all sounds all well and good. And I'm sure everyone else will take care of that for me. Guys, you're in a dangerous position. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your gospel. I thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross. I thank you so much for the power in you that raised Jesus from the dead. Lord, I thank you for all the goodness in our lives as you are the source of everything good in our lives, Lord. Lord, I ask that we would allow that to empower us. We would allow that to be our driving force in everything that we do. Lord, take away every distraction. Take away everything that would put hatred in our heart for anything that, Lord, you love. Lord, help us to recognize that you love our neighbor, that you love our enemies. And Lord, help us to love them as well. Lord, we ask and pray these things in your son's name. Amen.